Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how the lost generation in Noah's time was willfully ignorant of five words of what they vitally needed to know. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. The earth also was corrupt before God. And our code of ethics is, if it doesn't hurt anyone, then what's wrong with it? They were totally not aware that judgment was right around the corner for them. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue our expository study in Genesis every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Remember that part in Daniel 12 where Daniel is explaining to the children of Israel that everybody is going to wake up after you die. And he says, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, Daniel 12 too, in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt, contempt of God. Some to everlasting life, some to everlasting shame. Again, we could put the two words in there in shock. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some in shock to shame and everlasting contempt. Why? Because the world before the flood was the new not generation. They were the ones who would be in shock to find themselves in hell. The flood caught them by surprise. They didn't expect it. They were astonished. They were stunned. They were astounded. This can't be happening. Why? Because they knew not. Now, we have to ask the question, how come they knew not? So turn, if you would, to 2 Peter 3. Verse 5 through 10, very important passage here in 2 Peter 3, verse 5, and because it gives us insight as to what's going on. Why did this world know not? Why are they shocked? Okay. So 2 Peter 3, 5 says this. And as I read this passage here, I want you to think just how much this passage is referring to this time period of the world before the flood. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, so keep in mind that was the past, now we're talking now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements, by the way, the great noise, there's the real big bang, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. See, this generation, this new not generation, was a new not generation, because they made themselves what's called here willfully ignorant. That's a process. 
That's not something you drift into. That's something you have to work toward. You have the willful ignorance here. Now, they were willfully ignorant of what? That's the question. What were they willfully ignorant of? What does the text tell us in 2 Peter 3 here where we are that they were willfully ignorant of? They were willfully ignorant of five words that's given to us there. And those five words are, by the word of God. That's what they were willfully ignorant of. They had been told that, but they said no. By the word of God. When it came to the matter of origins, when it came to the question of, where did the heavens come from? The skies, the stars, where did they all come from? Where did all those stars come from? How did they get there? How is it that the earth is dry land, but it's standing out of the water, but it's surrounded by oceans, it seems to be in the middle of the oceans? How did that dry land come, see? Instead of believing what they've been told, that the heavens were by the word of God, and that the stars were by the word of God, he spoke them into existence, and that the dry land was standing out of the water and in the water by the word of God. Remember, let dry land appear, God said. Instead of believing what they were told, they saw all of that not as creation, but they said anything, but anything. Oh, look, this fellow over here, he says that at one time it was that nothing exploded and that we have the universe. A big bang happened and, we had, and everything came from that. Okay, we'll accept that. Anything but by the word of God. See? So by rejecting the truth of by the word of God, which is creation, they made themselves willfully ignorant. Why? When they removed the truth of by the word of God, the creation, from their reality, when they removed God from their reality, when they removed the judgment by God from their reality, they became willfully ignorant. And they became the new not generation. This is just one problem, one minor problem. And that problem was their reality was not reality. So the words knew not and willfully ignorant expressed that they had their own reality. They had their own reality. Their reality was there is no hell. The only problem was their reality, that there is no hell, is not reality. Their reality was that when you are dead, you are dead. Only problem was their reality, that when you're dead, you're dead, is not reality. Their reality was if you can get away with anything, you walk free. Okay? The only problem was that the reality that you don't have to give an account to God is not Reality. Their reality was that when you close your eyes in death, they will never open again. That was the reality. The only problem was that in reality, everyone does open their eyes in either heaven or hell. The reality, they were very sincere. They believed very sincerely in their reality. It was real to them. And that's because they had made themselves the new not generation, willfully ignorant. You come down sometime to our company down at Tecate, Mexico. As you approach our building there, you come to our pathway that leads to the front door. And we call that El Camino de Gracia, the path to grace, something like that. And so when you start walking down that path, we have a little bronze plaque in the uh, concrete as you enter that. And you walk down that pathway. And on your right, 
you'll see three stainless steel flames that are there. And we explain that in the future, the Bible says that he will destroy the earth with fire, as it says in the verse that should be open now to you in 2 Peter 3.10, where it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth and also the works therein shall be burned up. So that's why we have those stainless steel flames going there, because we tell them. This is all about this path. This is the Second Peter 3 path, if you want to call it that, although we don't say that. But anyway, that's what it's about, see? And we explain to them that by the word of God that this is going to happen, that there's going to be this terrible destruction by fire. And so then we explain to them that by the word of God, which was also responsible for creation, that not only is there going to be a judgment of fire, but we tell them that if you look on your left side, of this pathway, you see a stand, and that is made out of sedimentary rock, and uh, we imported that from uh, the Sahara Desert in Morocco, and there are thousands of marine animals, fossilized marine animals in that stand. And on top of that stand is another piece of rock, a fossil, that was excavated from China, and on that rock there are just tens of fishes that were fossilized in Noah's flood, And those fish, what's interesting about those fish is that they are all looking like they're in a school. You know, they're all like in lifelike positions, swimming around. And so you really have the sense as you will look at that fossil that those fish in a moment of time were trapped like that by a flood of sedimentary silt from Noah's flood that came. And we tell people all those fish were caught by surprise by the flood. And we tell them that was the new not generation of fish right there. They had no idea. So they were caught by surprise. So what we do is we point then to the fossils on the left on this path of grace. And we tell them that just as the passage, like we're looking at right now, in front of us right now in Second Peter says, that the past judgment of the flood occurred and then we point to the stainless steel flames on the side, on the right side of the path, and we tell them that just like the passage says that you have in front of you now, we said just like it says in 2 Peter 3, in verse 11, that there's going to be a coming judgment. See, past judgment by the word of God. Coming judgment by the word of God. Then we point down to the path that they're standing on, the path of grace, and we tell them that, thank God, the same passage in 2 Peter also says, right now, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, in the past, God judged the new not generation, the willfully ignorant generation with the flood. In the future, he will judge, as described here in Second Peter, the ungodly men with fire. And so that was the judgment of the past, and that was the judgment of the future, and not the past, and not the future, but right now. God's not willing that any should perish. Right now, God's willing that all come to repentance. That's why we call it the path of grace. This is a time of grace. He wants to save. And then sometimes we address the issue, well, how come God didn't judge uh, Idi Amin you know, and right away? Because God wanted to save Idi Amin. How come he didn't judge Adolf Hitler right away? Stop Because well, God wanted to save Adolf Hitler. It's true. So what was God doing in Noah's day? The world was being morally corrupt before God. They were making themselves willfully ignorant. They were making themselves the new not generation. They were creating their own reality that was not reality. 
Now that's described in the first part of the verse that we've looked at there. And that was their sinking deeper in corruption into a moral pit. And they were doing that before God, in the face of God. But the second part of this verse was what showing what the world was doing in Noah's day. And that's given to us where it says, it says, the earth was filled with violence. It's the first time in the Bible this word violence is used. It's the word Hamas, the same word that for the political party that sends all the rockets over, very violent party, good name for them, into Israel. And so the world was filled with Hamas. That's what happens when morality sinks to a new low. Violence blossoms up. This was, as you can see in this verse, the earth was filled with violence. But literally it says the earth was filled with violence before them, before men. So before God there was the moral corruption. Before men there was the violence. That's what the earth was doing. Now we come to better news. And that was, what was God doing during this time before the flood? We've seen already what the world was doing. Now, verse 12 tells us what God was doing. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted itself. God looked upon the earth. See, what was God doing? What God was doing is he was looking. That's what it says. He was looking on the earth. And then you see in verse 12 when it says, Behold... You know, it makes it seem like God was surprised. I mean, you know, he's not surprised, but in one sense, he is surprised. He's surprised to find what he found. What did he find? He found that man had horribly failed his charge, his commandment to shamar, to keep the earth, because the earth was not what he expected. He didn't set up this earth for it to become like this. He set up the earth so that man would keep the earth holy, keep the earth God-honoring, keep the earth from being defiled, keep the earth from becoming a loudspeaker from so many people's blood of their murderers then coming up in a deafening sound to God. So God, in essence, was saying, what happened? This word, behold, is very important. God is like, oh no, look at this, this is terrible. How come man has yielded himself to Satan? Instead of keeping and guarding against Satan, he's joined forces with him. Has totally let him have control. So even though this was the case, in verse 12, God looked upon the earth. When it says in verse 8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, that means that God had his eyes on the earth. Tom, today you mentioned the word keep, or the Hebrew word shamar, as to what man was told to do in the garden, which was to keep it. Where else do we find that word in Scripture? You know, that's a very key word in Scripture, the word shamar, and that's one to keep an eye on, and that's one to follow throughout the Scripture to where it's used. We know that when we first saw it here in, uh, in Genesis that this was the charge that God gave to man. He said to him, you should shamar, you should keep this garden. And boy, how little did Adam realize that he was in such danger, and he really needed to shamar that garden. And that's where sin came in. That's where Satan entered into the garden. But one of the great places where we find this word used in the blessing 
that uh, Aaron was told of how he should bless the children of Israel, what he should say to them to encourage them, what he should pray for them. What he, when he, he lift up his hands, we can picture him there as the children of Israel were before him and he praised these words. And these are the words that were given to us in Numbers six twenty three through 26, where it says, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel. Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. That's our word. The Lord make his face to shine, face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. That's our word right there, where it says, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord shamar thee. What a wonderful blessing that was. And again, as he said, we can just picture Aaron as he puts his hands over, as a mother hen would spread her wings over the vulnerable ones. And he was told, and this was coming from God, and God was telling to Moses, tell Aaron, this. Aaron, this is the direction you should go in. This is how you should pray. When Aaron would say, how should I pray for these people? Then Moses would say, God told you how to pray for these people. This is how you should pray for the people. First of all, you pray as you put your hands over them. You say, the Lord bless you. What does that mean, Baruch? The Lord, in other words, give you what you don't deserve. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord Lord show you the loving kindness, the mercy of God. We deserve hell, but God in his mercy does not give us hell. We don't deserve heaven, but God in his grace gives us heaven. That's the blessing of God. So we pray for the blessing of God. Why? Because God's a blesser. Do we pray for the blessing of God because we see in ourselves something that's so so no so good, so worthy that you should bless? No. It was made very, very clear. God made that very clear with the Jewish people. There is nothing in you. Don't think about it. It's only in me. So in other words, when it's said that uh, Enoch began to call on the name of the Lord. When it's said in Genesis 12 that, that the second altar that Abraham made, that it says that then he called on the name of the Lord. And when it says all throughout Scripture, calling on the name of the Lord, the Lord has many names. And what it means is to call on the name for the need that is needed. In other words, all of our needs are met in God. They're met in some particular aspect of God. And to match up the name of God with our need is the art of prayer. What Aaron, in essence, is saying, what's being told to Aaron here, is that call on the name of God the blesser. God is the blesser. Oh, God. Oh, when he says, the Lord bless thee. In other words, he's calling on the name of God because he knows that God wants to bless. So he's calling, he would be calling, in essence, so to speak, on God the blesser. And then he would say, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Why? Because God is the keeper. That's another name for God. God the keeper. God the shamar. When the Lord Jesus Christ, when Jehovah Jesus stood in front of Jerusalem and he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft, he said, how oft 
would I have gathered thee together as a hen does her chickens. In other words, the picture he's saying there, I'm spreading out my wings. Oh, Jewish people, run to me. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, as a mother chick would see their chickens running to her. Run to me. Why? Because I am the Shamar. The Lord keep thee. I am the one who spreads out his wings. And you run unto me. The Lord, the Shamar, the Lord, the keeper. And then he says, the Lord make his face, make his countenance to shine upon thee. Shine is the Hebrew word for light or he says, the Lord make his face to be light to you in the light of God's word. In the light of God's word, we have light. In thy light, we see light. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the light I am the or, the ha-or, the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. As we open the word of God, we look into the light of his word. In thy light, we see light, as David put it. And so that means that when we look into the word, then it's the, the Lord making his face to shine upon us and to be gracious. That's the word Hanan. In other words, it's the word that means, again, like grace. It means something that we don't deserve. So, so Aaron is being told, you, should, you pray for the people that they receive the grace of God. How does it put in the New Testament? The God of all grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If you and I, anyone is going to get to heaven, it's going to be by the grace of God. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, the law, whereas the law came by Moses. And so, and so the prayer is, may you find the grace of God. May you find in Jehovah Jesus the grace of God, which is a road that's paved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to heaven. He's the one who opened the door to heaven. And as he swung open those doors, he then, by his blood, bought our entrance into heaven. Think about it. He stripped himself of everything. He, kenosis, he emptied himself of everything. He thought it not he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was God, but he made himself of no reputation from Philippians 2. He was made in the in the likeness of man and a servant. He became obedient unto death. And when he was there on the cross and all of his clothes were being gambled away, even his last coat there which was woven with no seam and so they decided that they would gamble for it and that was predicted in Psalm 22. That was symbolic of this very last possession. He didn't have a house. He said the foxes have holes but the son of man hath not where to have his to lay his head. He had absolutely nothing and when he saw it all be gambled away then he had absolutely nothing on earth so he stripped himself of everything. All of his glory that he talked about in John 17 that he had with the Father before he came to earth. He stripped himself of that so he had absolutely nothing but his pure life, his sinless life. 
and his death. And just as the priest in the Old Testament collected the blood so that the priest could go into the holy place, the priest could go into the holy of holies with only the blood. When the priest went in to the holy of holies on that day of atonement, he had no clothes. He had no ephod. He had no, no clothing at all except for the white linen that he wore. That's all he had. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Stripped of everything. No garments for beauty and glory as Aaron's sons wore. Nothing. Just the white linen that the, that the high priest wore as he went in on the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, holding only the blood in his hand. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, even he watched his last earthly possessions be gambled away. He All he had was his own blood, and he entered into the blood. Why? So that he he could buy our redemption. Nor silver nor gold hath obtained my redemption. Be only his blood that he had, that he went in and he bought our redemption. And that's the grace of God. And so Aaron would pray, may you find the grace of God. And Aaron would think to himself, as I went into the Chadosh the Holy of Holies, with just the blood, so God himself, Jehovah Jesus, becoming a man, would enter into God's presence with simply his blood, and he would say, Father, I have nothing but my blood, which I shed willingly so that these could be saved from their sins. Don't let the sinner die. Don't let the sinner die. Look at my blood instead as those cherubim over the, over the, the mercy seat looked at the blood. And then they along would sing, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. So we have the word shamar. Thank you for joining us today. We'd like to encourage you to visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. And we've got some new features on our website where you can sign up for a Tom Cantor daily devotional verse that will come to your phone or to your email. You can also sign up to receive a Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries newsletter where you'll hear about our upcoming Summer Blitz campaign where for 12 weeks, Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries will try to reach over 1 million lost Jewish people in 17 Jewish cities this summer. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and have a free gospel gift of Tom Cantor's personal testimony on DVD and in booklet sent to a lost Jewish person or sent to you to give to them. So you can sign up for that free gift for a lost Jewish person at friendshipwithgod.org or call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's one 800 247 3051. Thanks for listening.